if you've been tracking with us over the last six weeks, we've been in a great series called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And to, this morning, we wanted kind of a pause, a one-off, uh, because we're actually going to continue Emotionally Healthy Discipleship for four weeks, all four weeks in June. But this morning was really just circling back to uh, learning together in COVID-19. So as unoriginal as this title is, uh, we're just simply hosting this morning, calling it Our COVID-19 Learnings. 11 weeks ago, back in mid-March, things shifted pretty big for us. Now, of course, things were going on for a couple months prior to that. We just didn't know it. Uh, but it really started to hit our country and ever, all of our lives personally in mid-March. And so 11 weeks into the broad picture of COVID-19 around the globe and in our country, here's a few just kind of data points uh, as we dive in together before we give our learnings. Uh, as of Thursday, according to the New York Times, there's 5.6 million global cases of COVID-19 with 355,000 deaths. In the U.S., 1.7 million cases with just over 100,000 deaths now. So our country, wild as this may sound, roughly one-third of all corona cases are, are within our country. And so to make sure you understand how wild that is, we're about 4% of the world's population, right? So 4% continue or currently have about 33% of the known and identified cases of coronavirus exposure. All right. So that's staggering, right? That's not a small deal. On the labor front, the most recent statistics, over 40 million people have been filing or have filed for unemployment during the season with a vast majority of those people directly due to COVID-19. So this is a really big deal. There's a reason it's a pandemic. There's a reason it's changed our lives so much. And there's a reason for us as a spiritual family, the reason we wanted to do a one-off is to say, man, what are we learning in this journey? How can we process this journey a little bit more together? And what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus and to follow Jesus authentically amidst this reality that we're all still kind of getting used to, uh, whatever new norms we are currently experiencing. We also know things are changing uh, dramatically just as different states open up in different ways. We're all kind of in a, in a waiting posture, like what's happening and how's this thing going to roll out the rest of the summer and into the fall. So for all those reasons, we just felt like we want to do some cultural assessment with each other, to travel with each other, to provide some insights and some encouragements and to learn with each other. All right. So given all that, if you've got a copy of the scriptures, head over to Mark chapter one. We're really just going to hand over five kind of our COVID-19 learnings right now. And uh, we really hope a few of them resonate with you, stick with you, challenge you and encourage you. All right. So Mark chapter one, we're going to dive in together. So the kind of the first overarching point uh, that we're wanting to kind of put before you, we believe that COVID-19 is a Kairos moment. And we get that language Kairos moment from this passage that we're going to read. So Mark chapter one, verse 14 and 15, real short here. It just says simply after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now, according to Mark and his gospel, these are the actual first words of Jesus's public ministry. So when he comes onto the scene and starts kind of engaging as an adult, uh, he says these words. He says, the time has come. And this word time here in the Greek, so Mark as the writer who wrote this down in Greek, uh, he uses the word kairos. And there's actually a different word for time that Jesus could have chosen to use, which is chronos. That might sound familiar to, familiar to you because it's actually where we get the word chronology. 
so in the Greek language at that time, there's actually two forms of time. There's linear chronological time. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's chronos. And yet Jesus uses this word kairos. And so the time, the kairos, is actually better understood as opportunity. There's an opportunity. So kairos moments are opportunities that break into the chronos of linear time. Kairos moments are often tied to the inbreaking reality that Jesus proclaims here. The kingdom of God is breaking in. Something God is doing something new in human history. Jesus in his day at that moment was referring actually to himself. That God had come in the flesh in himself. That there was this new uh, ushering in of, of a new history beginning with Jesus and enduring forevermore. And he called people to respond to it, which is why he says repent, meaning to change our thoughts or to change our ways and to believe that God was up to something new. This is the Kairos that he was highlighting. So when we say Kairos or COVID-19 is a Kairos, what do I mean by that? I mean that there is a, a Kairos season. So it's not just a single day, right? And we don't really know how long it's going to last, but I believe that COVID-19, however long it's within the world and, and you know, currently in our country, is a season that will have both pain points and tragedies, death and destruction, which are not a part of God's desires or will. I'm reminded of John 10, where it says the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. But Jesus then says, but I came to give life and to give life abundantly. So it's not that God is, you know, doing something or directly causing uh, COVID-19 by any means. It's actually that the countless times throughout scripture and history, God breaks in and amidst really broken and hurting and, and tragic situations, God is able to work good amidst it all. God, the rescuer, God, the healer comes in. Jesus, the Messiah says, I am here to shift things. There's always a Kairos opportunity. And so God is able to leverage even bad things to still work out his great and wondrous purposes in the world. And so we trust in a sovereign God that is still on the throne, that is still working amidst COVID-19. And so what are some of the Kairoses that we see in COVID-19? Uh, there are too many to count, but here's a few. The first simply is, I believe this is a unique season to clarify your values and your vision for what's most important to you. If you're somebody who's following Jesus, what does it look like to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? What does it look like to decide that my life is going to be about following Jesus in an authentic and meaningful way? I believe COVID-19 gives us a phenomenal opportunity to clarify some of our vision and our values. Just last weekend, I was at uh, my in-laws, Chris's parents, and it is the first time we had visited them since uh, kind of the, the quarantine, the shutdown in mid-March. And one of the things that, that we knew in that visit was just, man, it, they are such life-giving people in our lives, right? And so there was something about not seeing them and being forced to not see them, right? And, and in good reasons for that, but just say, man, like we miss them, right? They are an important part of our life. There is a way in which the unique season of COVID-19 made that more obvious. Like, man, we, we miss them. We love them. They're an important part of our life. That's some of the ways that vision can be clarified in this season. We also believe that uh, there's a Kairos opportunity to learn how to sit still before the Lord. Uh, in serve, we often say we believe we're connect. We are made to go up with the Father, in with each other, and out on mission with Jesus and each other. This upward connection with God, I believe, there's a unique opportunity in this season to enhance that or grow deeper. You might be somebody who has more time on your hand because of COVID-19. You might be somebody whose time seems pressurized and you have less time. Uh, I know. 
know that's it for us because we're balancing work and our kids and we don't have daycare and there's a lot of challenge for us and whether you are crunched for time or whether you're finding yourself with more time, I believe this is a unique season to get even deeper in your walk with Jesus and connected with him. Along those lines, we use the language around here this year, moving from consuming to contending. COVID-19 undoubtedly is forcing us to deal with some of the postures of consuming. That is really, I mean, our whole culture and a lot of Western secularization is just built on us at the center and consuming, whether it's Netflix, whether it's food, whether it's uh, all kinds of experiences, whether it's materialism, we are wired and shaped in an utterly consumeristic society, right? And so some of COVID-19, like you couldn't even do some of those things. So you're kind of forced to go, uh-oh, what do I do with my life? Now things that even as they're opening up, there's still this opportunity to go, wait a minute, should I just run back to the exact same things I was doing before? Or are there some new postures, new ways to use my time, new ways to say, man, I, I want to seek more of God's presence, his favor, his love, and to, to pattern some new rhythms that I actually wasn't doing before. But now I want to hang on to them rather than just going to back to what I was doing. Maybe a last one as far as a, a COVID-19 opportunity, ministering to others. I'm remembering, uh, reminded of 1 Peter chapter 2. It says that we are a priesthood of believers. So if you follow Jesus, you are a priest of the living God. And that has implications for how we might love and serve other people who are followers of Jesus. And then those in our neighborhood, our, co our working environments, uh, our families who maybe don't yet know Jesus. Either way, we've been asking this question over the last 11 weeks. Who is in your arm's reach? Like, who do you believe God has uniquely sent you to and is open, opening up opportunities in this time? I can't tell you how many new relationships I actually have with a lot of neighbors, because guess what? When we walk around now and somebody walks a dog, like, it is just so easy to say hi. And all kinds of new people have become, at minimum, acquaintances in this season. And so I feel like, you know, I know they are and I know I am as well. Like, we're, we're building new inroads of relationship, even amidst physical distancing. So a last thought with this, how are you seizing the, the Kairos of COVID-19? Or is it passing you by? Uh, Kairos moments break into Kronos, into linear time, but we miss them all the time. And so really the question for this morning is, how are you leveraging uh, this unique season and trying to decipher what is God up to and how are you partnering with him? Hmm. That's great. You know, it makes me think about the people walking outside my house. How many people you see outside your window that you never saw outside your window before right. COVID-19? It's like we're all out and walking about. So I really resonate with that relationships and the opportunity, the kairos for relationships, even in the midst of, of this. The second thing that we talked about as far as COVID-19 is it's, it's a crucible. And what's a crucible? It's a container that you put metals in and you heat them up. That heat puts pressure on the metals. And the design for a crucible is that you want to purify that metal. That's the point of putting that pressure on the metal. And a lot of times when you think about what COVID-19 is, it's put a lot of pressure on us, if we're honest with ourselves. You know, honestly, the first 30 days, I just didn't handle it well. I did not handle the pressure well. Personally, I was just struggling in my abiding time with God. I didn't feel like I was walking as close to Jesus as I wanted to walk to. So when it really became real that this was a pandemic and I felt that pressure, 
uh, I had a hard time handling for the first 30 days. I did not handle the pressure well, if I'm really authentic with you. And I'm sure many of you felt the same way, right? It took us out of our rhythms. I, for the first time, I, I realized how dependent I am on my rhythms of life, just my daily life. So when I don't have business meetings or I'm not traveling to do something, guess what? I'm sort of forced. That pressure is forcing me to sort of sit with myself a bit and to really think about what we value in life. Am I abiding with God? Those kind of things. So it's really pressured. It's not just in our relationship with God. I think we're feeling pressure in our families. I mean, we're together more than we ever had. Jennifer and I, our kids are grown, but Morgan, I know you've got three little ones at the house and, and it, it's wild, right? Remember back, if you are in the middle of that right now, you can remember that. That's a lot of pressure to be there in under one roof for so many hours out of the day. And we're seeing that across the nation. Like you're seeing bad things happen in some circumstances when people don't handle that pressure well. Also think about financially. I mean, think about where we were before COVID and where we are today. Think about all the people that have lost their jobs, 40 million people. And I think about the families that they represent. I think about the news stories that I see of people who can't even pay their rent. Or they're wondering how they're gonna pay their rent right now because it's that pressure. It's putting pressure on us. And here's what I want us to remember during, during all of this is that God is with us, that He is with us. I love the description of God as Father. And just like I'm a father to my kids, and when they're struggling, when they're suffering, when the pressure of life is on them, nothing can separate them from my love. It's during those times that I want to love them more. I want to reach out to them more. And God is with us as a father. He's also with us as a shepherd. He cares about us. He leads us. You know, when we feel like the world is caving in on us, he says, whoa, whoa, time out for a second. Like, sit with me come into these green pastures, walk beside these quiet waters with me, and let me just pour myself into you. Let me pour my peace into you. I think about the scripture where Jesus said, let, you know, if you're uh, weary and heavy burden, come and take my yoke upon you. And I was even thinking today, just sitting with God, you know, a lot of times in this pressure, if I just get alone and get with God, I feel that yoke of love that God has for me, that yoke of freedom that he has for me. So what I want you to hear in this time of pressure is, first of all, let's let's press into it. Let's acknowledge that there is legitimate pressure. This is not easy what we're walking through, right? But let's also remember that this is in the midst of our trauma, just like the traumas we experienced when we were little and we have to deal with those traumas as we grow older. We're sort of having many traumas in our lives right now, and we can't run from those things. We have to run to God. Because listen to what God says in 2 Corinthians 1. And this is verse 3. So we're going to read 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this description. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. Here's the thing we have to realize. We have a God who is not distant from suffering. Our God has taken on flesh and has suffered in every way that we have suffered. 
And yet he knows us. He knows us. He can identify with us. And in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of this pressure, let's don't run away from it. Let's run to the God who loves us, who can identify with our suffering so that he can bring healing into our lives. I don't know about y'all, but some of the things that he's pointed out in my life during this time of pressure and suffering, I don't want to go back to the way things are. I want him to show me new ways, new ways of healing, new ways of wholeness, new ways where he's the center of life, where he wasn't the center of life in my finances, in my marriage, in my relationships. Suffering is pointing out like where I was coasting. I wasn't following the will of God. I want him to enter into those areas so that when we get on the other side of this, I'm a changed person. And that's what God wants us because he loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love. So it's COVID is a crucible, but if you press into that crucible, we have a generous father, a loving father who wants to work in our lives in every area of our lives. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, we hope you just hear that heartbeat of, of encouragement because, man, there are tough things going on. And so don't stay isolated. Like, reach out, get help, be in community, uh, send an email, send a text, encourage someone even today. Uh, a third learning of our COVID-19 learnings is simply that we believe that the future of the church is not digital, that it's analog. I mean, it's in presence. It's embodied presence. And uh, one of the things I just want you to hear in our heartbeat at Serve is that we really don't want to buy into kind of like the idolatry of technology. Um, I believe, especially uh, in our culture, again, science and technology in particular are kind of raised up as the end-all be-all that will, uh, you know, kind of let us live forever. I mean, literally, I mean, there are scientists right now pouring millions and even billions of dollars to attempt to find out how we can live, you know, to 200 years to, to infinity, right? I mean, those are the sorts of things. And so what we also hear, and I've heard lots of them, whether in church circles or articles, kind of these descriptions of, man, like now that everyone's going digital, we can reach the whole world and everyone's going to come streaming in the door sort of thing. Uh, even now the door is, is simply online. Well, I don't know if you're in your pajamas right now. I don't know if you're, you're dressed or not or anything else, but here's what I believe is in this season. And what's so funny about it is you don't have to leave your home and you can do church, right? Which I would question whether it's really doing church in the first place, right? And so what I want to say is we're not negative on technology. Like we know we are actually coming live to you from a video that's been pre-recorded just a couple days earlier. Um, and so we are very thankful to leverage technology, to have a common teaching, to have a common experience, to even be streaming online where some of you are making comments right now. So we're not, you know, saying that those are bad things. We do want to leverage them, but we want to say there's always something more. And it's actually analog. It's actually being in each other's presence. Some of the, the, the pressure that we're talking about, it, it's, it's painful. Like we have been longing to be in and around each other. Like I haven't hugged many of you in, in two and a half months, right? And there's something in you that aches to do that in friendship, in the loving, extended spiritual family, right? There's something missing. Um, and when we look at the life of Jesus, when we look at the story of the scriptures, especially Jesus uh, in particular in the book of Luke, uh, Luke really describes Jesus going to a bunch of meals. Like he is hopping from one meal to the next to the next. And so much of the action in the gospel of Luke is actually around these hospitable places where people are packing in and listening to him and laughing with him, where he's going to some marginalized people. So there's even some offense to the people that Jesus stayed with because he was saying, no, you matter, you, you have value and worth, and I will go to you, even if it bothers the religious elite. Um, there are so many ways in which that is 
is uh, really powerful and insightful. If you look at the last, uh, or sorry, last book of the Bible, Revelation, one of the last pictures there is in Revelation chapter 19. John is on the island of Patmos. He is utterly quarantined, again, not by his own decision because he believes in Jesus and he's exiled and imprisoned. He starts getting these revelations, you know, these dreams, these visions from God and he pens them down, right? So John 19, listen to this in verse 6 through 9. John says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, and it's this future picture of, of the heavens, like the roar of the rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Here's verse 9. Stick with this. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Like one of the last pictures of all of Scripture, there's only two other chapters uh, past Revelation 19. One of the very last and enduring things that you and I, if you follow Jesus, should long for is to be at this amazing banqueting table, celebrating with each other and with Jesus at the head of that table. Like there is something that is eternal about the table and about our homes and about hospitality and about embodied presence. Uh, this is not just souls hanging out somewhere in the clouds like you see on a Looney Tune cartoon. This is actually embodied, resurrected people, us, anyone who follows Jesus, at the table eating, drinking, and rejoicing with each other. Analog is the future of the church. So yes, if you are streaming online and you've never been with us in person, we are so thankful. Uh, you're hanging out and connecting and teaching. Peace be on you. We are excited. But we also want to let you know there's an invitation to more. Like as we start together in person in the coming months, when and if how that you know plays out exactly, we want you to know, man, we would love to shake a hand. Like we would love to be able to get to know you by name and see your face and interact with you because that is uh, the future of embodied presence. I love that. That reminds me of people who are getting married during COVID-19. You see people getting married online. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's great that we can do that, right? That's yes. a blessing. But yes. man, there's nothing that beats getting together at a wedding with people in their presence and celebrating together. There's that celebration aspect. And I love that vision at the end where we're all going to be at the feast, at the, at the wedding feast. That's awesome. So I can't wait to get back together. All right. So another thing that we've seen in COVID-19 is... It makes the gap between the rich and the poor widen. I heard this from a brother of mine in Hong Kong. He said this, he wrote it on one of his blogs, that during times of crisis, the gap between the rich and the poor, it widens. And we've seen that everywhere, right? In our country and outside of our country. I think about in our country. If you think about those 40 million people who have lost their job, the majority of those people were in what industry? They were the service industry, right? They were uh, people that take care of you in restaurants. They were your Uber driver. They were retail, retail all, all different types. And so those were the first jobs to go. And a lot of times, people who are working those jobs, those are awesome jobs. And those are, I really celebrate the people that worked out, friends that do that. But a lot of times, those are not the jobs where you have high margin, that you have a lot to lean back on if something happens. And so what we see is even in our own country, a lot of times the people that can least afford to be out of work in a pandemic or some type of crisis, those are the people who get hit first and they get hit the hardest. 
And we've seen that, right? We've seen it on TV with people worried about how they can pay their rent here in Kansas City. We've seen it with waitresses and waiters and people that work in retail that are wondering, like, when am I going to be able to go back to work? Like when government help runs out, will I have a job? Will I have anywhere to go back to? And so, so some of those people are hit really hard, while others of us who are maybe are more professional, uh, professional or you know doctors, those kind of things, we're still hit, but we're not hit as hard. We have more margin in our lives. And so it, it, it is, and it's not just in the United States, it's all across the world. I mean, you think about the food supplies here in the United States, they've been pretty steady, right? Even when people are going, sometimes you find it's hard to get hamburger meat, but you go across the globe and food supplies have been totally disrupted. They were not as strong as our food supplies to begin with. So what you see is in countries like India and our partners there, is you have migrant workers who no longer have jobs, but they've closed the border so they can't get back into their country, who basically are stuck in the country without anything, without food, without shelter, and you've seen these food supplies been broken off, and these people are on the verge of starvation. I was on a prayer call three weeks ago, and one of the guys who had just talked with somebody in India said that he was, the guy in India was saying, within two weeks, I'm afraid I'm going to see thousands of people starving that we're trying to serve right now. And I know that's sobering. Like that is, I, I say that it just shocks my system living here in the West. But what we have to realize that in times of crisis, the gap between the poor and the rich widens, and it often does it very quickly. So what's our response then? As followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, what's our response supposed to be? I thought about the uh, passage in 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, Paul, in this passage, he was actually taking up a collection from the church in Corinth, which was a very wealthy church, to take back to the poor Christians who were in Jerusalem. And what they were experiencing in Jerusalem was persecution and famine. Those were the two things that the, that the sort of the early church, the original church, when Pentecost came, they were being persecuted and they were experiencing famine. And so Paul goes to these churches he had planted and said, listen, your brothers over there in Jerusalem who are Jewish, a lot of times he was speaking to Gentile churches, Churches, your brothers, united under the headship of Christ, they're suffering, and I want to take up a collection and take it back to them to help relieve their suffering. And in 2 Corinthians 8, where he's calling people to be generous in their generosity, he says this, and I love these verses, starting in verse 13. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there, there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. When I read this verse within the first 30 days of Corona, the first word that jumped out was equality. And are we going to be a people followers of Jesus in this time where people are suffering, are we going to be people that protect ourselves, that look to ourselves first? Are we going to move more toward a posture of equality? Are we willing to take some risk in our own lives because we know that our brothers and sisters in Kansas City, in the United States, and across the globe, that that gap is widening and they are suffering. And what are we going to do to step into that? And let me tell you, it goes against my nature. If I'm honest, my first gut thing was how long can we survive if we lose our jobs? And gratefully, God has, has provided for us. And, and so we're grateful for that. But then the next question is like, how do I get out of that myopic self-focus to protect myself and look toward our brothers and sisters 
who are suffering in this time. A couple of interesting things Jennifer and I have done. Number one, we adopted a server here in KC. You can actually go to Facebook. There's a Facebook group you can come up, become a member. It's Adopt a Server KC. And what it does is it connects you. They have a moderator who connects you to a person, a waiter or a waitress who's lost their job, and they go up and establish an Amazon account. And then basically you can go on Amazon and buy them goods. And we did this for a single mom here in Kansas City, and it was diapers, it was wipes, it was the essentials of life that this mom needed because she was suffering that we could step in the gap and provide for her. That was awesome, and we love doing it. Like we've got a relationship with her that we did through here. We've also been very intentional here to look at our neighbors and people around us. And are there people like right within our within our neighborhood that we don't think of as being struggling, but maybe they are? What is their situation? So think who within arm's length of you right now may be out of a job that you may be able to step in. And then finally, we need to think globally. Like we talked about in India and what you talked about earlier on, the telethon that's coming up. I mean, we are working as a church and as believers to try to step into the gap of those people starving and saying, we're gonna take our plenty and we're gonna supply your want. And one day we might need somebody else to step in when we're in want and use their plenty to meet our needs. And so I really encourage you to, to be a part of that telethon, to sit in for an hour and listen to that. And then think about giving. Think about giving, and, 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 and I call it kingdom economics, like enter into this kingdom economics where the giving necessary doesn't make sense, but God is our provider, and He always provides. So what we need to do is, is take this gap, and we need to bring it together by God's grace through our generosity during this COVID-19. That's a great thought. Final point for us uh, as we consider our COVID-19 learnings. Uh, COVID-19 is an amazing time to exercise sacrifice, love, humility, and generosity rather than the assertion of one's own rights. Um, you know, our country has, is always about rights, right? I mean, it's just simply, again, one of those cultural norms or waters that we swim in, if you will. And in our highly politicized and tribified culture that also seems to be growing by the moment, the words of scripture could not be any more counterculture to that. Uh, in Romans 14, there's so many passages that I could choose from, but Romans 14 came to mind. Paul says this, he says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling or di over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Hop down to verse 10. It says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account to ourselves uh, of ourselves to God. I think these words are really important and they aren't filled with lots of rules, right? They're, they're principles that you then have to bring to bear amidst the realities of your life. And so, you know, again, to, to try to draw at least one analogy to our COVID-19 realities, for those who might hate wearing a mask out in public, right? What does it look like to drop your assertion and your right to choose not to wear that and instead to say, you know what, I will sacrifice. I will put one on for the sake of others, even if I'm not personally 
personally worried, even if I don't think I'm a carry, even if, even if, even if, what does it look like to sacrifice? And for those of you who are out in public and go, man, I can't believe that person is not wearing a mask. What does it look like for you to hear the words to say, it's not for you to judge or to condescend? Uh, for the one who decides to travel freely in this season, what might it look like to submit and surrender to a self-quarantine or a, a caution, out of caution following a trip? These are these things that, hey, I'm not giving rules and regulations. I'm, I'm saying if you put on these words of Romans 14 and start to bring it to bear, what's beautiful and challenging about this passage is it doesn't matter what side of the coin you're on, something here will, will inevitably, you're going to have to wrestle with something. It's either the judgment side of thing or or the uh, yeah the, the need to sacrifice when you're just choosing to, to not do it. Or oftentimes both, right? Or I can be the judge both. or the sacrifice, right? That's right. That's right. So regardless of politics or entrenched positions, what does Jesus look like as Lord over all these issues in this unique Kairos season? Because when we think of the gospel, the heartbeat of the invitation of Jesus is, is a God who comes in the flesh, who has all power and authority, who could have claimed to exercise rights that none of us could imagine uh, at all, and instead chose to give them up completely. Uh, the early hymn that's found in Philippians 2 is the best descriptor of this. Paul says in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, here's his mindset, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a person or as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Like the story of, of Jesus, the story of following him is following a God who gave up everything, who comes to rescue, who comes to unleash forgiveness at his own expense, uh, to unleash that forgiveness so that you might have the opportunity to surrender your life back to him, to enter into the family of the living God in and through the person of Jesus connected with the Father. And so what is the Lord uh, shaken us out in? All right. So as you examine these five learnings this morning, we want to offer simply two steps to consider. All right. First is this, name something today. Two of our favorite questions around here at Serve is the simple questions of what is God saying to you and what are you doing about it? And so I'd really want to encourage you in the next few moments, you know, maybe at the tail end of worship here, sometime today, name, write out a sentence. Or here's what I really felt the Lord saying to me. Here's a scripture that stood out. Here's something that God is prompting me. What is he saying? So write it out. And then follow up, what are you doing in response? And I would encourage you to create an I will statement. I will, and then you fill that in. In the next two days in a week, so a time-based reality, here's how I'm responding to the very thing God is saying to me. And what that does is it fuels our love language back to God, right? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so this gives us an opportunity to pause in these five learnings and say, here's how I need to work out or walk out some obedience to what we've just heard. The second thing is really a, a collective expression that, that we're encouraging and inviting everyone into, which is a church-wide fast this Wednesday, June 3rd. Uh, once a month, our staff fasts and prays just to seek the Lord, to hear from Him, uh, to recognize our dependence upon God instead of our own activity. There are lots of different strands and reasons why we have specific rhythms of fasting, but we really want to open that up to the entire church. What does it look like to fast collectively? 
And so whenever we fast as a church, we encourage you to either refrain from one meal, two meals, or maybe even all three meals that day. Some of us have some dietary restrictions where that doesn't work. So we also say, hey, you're still included. You can do something with social media or TV or just other forms of refraining from something that might otherwise be good, right? They're not evil things, uh, but to refrain from those things, to press in deeper with God, to listen to him. And even one of the things, Tuesday morning, we'll, we'll send out specific prayer requests through our email uh, that, that most of you are on. If not, shoot me an email and I'll get you on that. Um, but one thing we want to fast over is just, God, would you end COVID-19, right? Like there are lots of lies. I mean, it's just catastrophic across the globe. And so we're going to even fast together just say, God, would you break in? Would you bring this thing to an end among many other things? So serve, we're thankful for you. We love you. We hope uh, that you are encouraged and challenged this morning. And Patrick, would you mind just even closing us as we uh, go back into worship uh, musically? Jacob will lead us, but Patrick, would you close us? Yeah, let's pray. Thank you for checking into the Serve Community Church podcast. If you're interested in more information on how to connect with our community, feel led to support us in any way you can or have any further questions, please check us out on social medias like Facebook or Instagram or go to our website at servecc.org. God bless and have a great day.